Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. All right, we're going to have to try it again. Good morning, church. Good morning. All right, there we go. Uh, yeah, so uh, for those who I haven't met, uh, I'm Chris LaPointe. Uh, I'm one of the elders here at Wayside. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to pick back up again. Uh, we are in a sermon series in the book of Acts. And so for those of you who were here maybe a couple of weeks ago, You'll remember Ben uh, walked us through how this escalating persecution of the early church ultimately led to Stephen's death, right? And he became the first Christian martyr. So today, what we'll talk about, um, we'll talk about is how God is working, right? Even, even amidst the despair and the chaos of what followed Stephen's death, God worked uh, to, to ultimately bring his plan for the church uh, into motion, Right, so that's what we'll talk about here today. And so, uh, church, it's going to be rich. There's only four verses, uh, but there's a lot to unpack. So let's pray for our hearts to receive what God has for us this morning through this text. And also, uh, we, we did, uh, we're a week behind on birthday, so I want to also pray for, for Jim Edwards, for Sherwin, uh, Yen, our, our, our first time but awesome uh, Cajon player, um, and uh, also Beckett. Um, So yeah, please bow your heads with me and let's pray for them. Uh, Father God, uh, you are a holy God. Um, You are set apart, everlasting, and magnificent. In all things, you're rich in mercy. Uh, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that that Jesus reigns for our sake and and, and for his glory. Uh, So this morning we ask that you would speak to us, uh, speak to our hearts, Lord, through this text. Uh, so that we would be emboldened in trust of your plan for our lives. Um, Lord, Lord, even when it's not what we wanted uh, or expected, um, and, and help us respond in a way that would bring you glory. And Lord, I also lift up these birthdays. Lord, we just thank you for the lives of, of, our, of our brothers in Christ, uh, Jim Edwards, Beckett, and, and Sherwin. Um, Lord, the, the blessing that they are to our church. We pray that we pray these things uh, exactly over their lives, Lord, that um, Lord, they would be able to trust you more uh, over this coming year, uh, that they would be able to put their faith in, in, in your provision and your plans uh, for your glory and for their good. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so, so church, um, uh, by show of hands, how many of you all had uh, flashbacks uh, over the past few days, back to the, Mark has already raised his hands, flashbacks back to Snowpocalypse 2021. Anybody? Yeah, so I know I did, uh, but y'all, praise God. I mean, look up at the sky, uh, not a cloud, cloud in sight. Um, and, and so this winter storm, right, was far less intense than we experienced last year. Uh, but I'll share kind of a silly story, and it's first world problems, uh, I, I know, but I'll say that, uh, for our family at least, um, the disruption of our favorite food delivery service, DoorDash, uh, was, was actually quite, quite the thing in our household. Uh, so, yeah, let, let me explain this. So, you know, after, uh, you know, for Debbie and I, after, like, just a crazy day of, like, work, homeschooling, wrangling our two older kiddos out there, and baby Liam, um, you know, we're just... We're, we're at the end of a rope. We're exhausted. And so uh, the last thing either of us wants to do is actually make dinner. 
Um, and so we're so used to, you know, we just like, you know, whip out our phone and, you know, we, we push a few buttons, right? And voila, there's dinner at our door. And so we, we weren't quite aware of like how much this had become a thing for our family uh, until, you know, this, this Thursday, um, you know, we, we, we were uh, opening up the app. And of course, you know, for the safety of the dashers, uh, there was no delivery available. And so uh, our normally um, just super sweet and empathetic uh, Levi, our middle boy, um, was super frustrated. And, and so he suggested that I become the dasher and <laughs> head out and brave the icy roads to go pick up our P. Terry's. And uh, I kid you not, so this was uh, him looking out the window, you know, and he's like, Daddy, I'm looking outside, and it's not so bad. <laughs> and so, uh, y'all, this, this, I know it's a silly story, but this reminds me, right, that we live in a culture, and I'm including myself in this, where we've become so obsessed, right, with what is convenient, right? We, we are uh, at, you know, we are trying at all times, right, to avoid disruption in our lives. You know, and if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we're, we're always looking for what is most fast, easy, and comfortable, right? And so, uh, just by way of a few examples, right, when we go into the store, right, what do we do? Uh, to go buy something, we just, like, we pop out our phone, we tap it, or we, you know, swipe our credit card. And uh, I brought it for the sake of illustration, just to see your faces. When you're in line and someone, you know, brings out their checkbook in front of you, we have to, well, maybe this isn't you, you guys are full of, of grace, but uh, for me, I'm just, I have to pray for grace and patience. Uh, and, you know, this, isn't, this is just like the tip of the iceberg, right? We, 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 we want everything delivered, right? We want it, you know, for, you know, two days, right? That's like sort of the Amazon standard delivery service for Prime members. Uh, but, you know, God help us if we have to wait more than two days for that sweet mug, you know, that we bought to drink our morning coffee, right? But, you know, two days is too long. We need, like, overnight, no, like, we, we need same day, right? It, it's, it's, it's crazy, right? And so we, you know, we actually don't even go into the bank to deposit checks anymore. We just take a picture, right? And, of course, there's an app for that. Um, y'all, we, I've heard, this is a thing, we actually, uh, we actually hoard toilet paper and paper towels, right? Because God knows you need that in a winter storm. And, and church, we, you know, we, we choose vehicles, uh, for our cup holders, so you know this is this is just uh, this is just a thing, right? Within our within our culture today, for us, right? If we're being honest, and so church, here's the problem, right? Um, as, as we cling, right, tightly to like what is fast, easy, and comfortable, this can seep into how we live out our faith, right? This can this can affect uh, how we live out the gospel in both our expectations, right, first of all, but also our actions. So, uh, like the early church, like the early church, we need to, uh, we need to learn, right, how to trust God. Uh, we, need, we need to learn how to trust God's plan, even when it do- doesn't go exactly as we planned, right? Even when it's not fast, easy, and comfortable. And so, uh, we're going to talk about that in our passage today. And, and we're going to see how the lives of these early Christians, right, were basically upended and disrupted in every single way possible. 
and how this helped them grow in their trust in God's provision and in God's plan. Uh, So first, uh, we're going to see that living on mission for Christ requires us to trust in his provision. Uh, So let's look at verse 1. In verse 1, we see Christians experiencing this is a terrible loss of life. And so uh, it should come on the screen here in a second. So verse 1 says this, Now Saul approved of putting Stephen to death. Um, So that now actually refers back to the previous chapter. And so, you know, as good uh, Bible readers, we should look and and reread the last few verses of chapter 7 to put this in context, right? So let's let's actually start uh, back at verse 58 of chapter 7. So it says this, When they had driven him, Stephen, out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. And so now Saul approved of putting Stephen to death. So Saul approved of Stephen's death, and, and Stephen gave his life for the gospel right? In his dying breath, he proclaimed it, right? He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And so I I know for a lot of us, we've heard this story, right, of Stephen, right, the first Christian martyr. But but it's important for for us to understand, you know, how how, how profoundly, right, this affected the believers at the time, like how cute of a loss this was for them. Um, If you remember, right, he, he was highly respected, right? He was one of the seven chosen to distribute food uh, for the widows. He was an amazing evangelist, right? As Ben covered last time, you know, he, he was being kicked out of synagogues because they were so tired of him besting them in his knowledge and grasp of Scripture. They couldn't argue with him, not even the priests. Um, and so, they, so they, they had to levy false charges against him. And then even facing certain death, right, as he testified in front of the, the Jewish high religious leaders, right, the Sanhedrin, even in the face of certain death, Stephen gave this amazing defense of the gospel, right, of the faith, um, even to the, to the extent of calling out, um, you know, these highly respected religious leaders, stiff-necked, right, in their obstinance, right, to, to actually uh, receive Jesus, right? And so when Stephen was stoned to death, um, you, can, you can imagine what these early believers were feeling, right? Pain, Sadness, confusion, anger, fear. So what is God's provision in circumstances like this? So if you recall, right, at the the beginning of the book of Acts, uh, Jesus tells his followers to wait. Wait for what? Right? Wait for the Holy Spirit, right? That would empower them to preach the gospel to all the nations, right? And so so we're not going to turn back to the beginning of Acts. I actually like how... Um, John captures what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit in John 14. So let's look at John 14, verse 26. You don't have to turn there. It'll be up on the screen. Uh, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I've said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled nor fearful. So church, this is such a comforting truth, right? Um, when, when we, 
right, trust in Jesus, when we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we also receive the Holy Spirit. And so by the Spirit, Jesus is with us, right? So he, he gives us the peace and comfort, right, when we can't muster it on our own, right? We, we don't weep alone. And, you know, as Christians, we also don't weep without hope, right? We know that this life, it, it's not the end, right? Revelation tells us that uh, one day, right, um, we will be with Jesus forever, and, and, and he will wipe away all the tears from our eyes, and, and, and there will be no more death, sorrow, crying, or pain. Uh, and so uh, the, the early church, you know, they, they grieved the loss of Stephen, right? They grieved the loss of Stephen by the Spirit and with hope, uh, but we know that this was just the beginning of the disruption in their lives. So next we see the, the early Christians, right, experiencing loss of livelihood, right? So let's continue reading the, the rest of verses 1 and 2. So, and on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except for the apostles, some devout men buried Stephen and mourned loudly for him. So in the midst of, of mourning for their beloved Stephen, right, these early Christians were forced to scatter. And y'all, we're not talking about like a few people or even hundreds of people. We're talking thousands of, of these early Christians, right? If you remember back to when Peter, right, received the Holy Spirit and he went out and preached, thousands came to Christ. Um, so, so thousands of, of early Christians, right? They lost everything, including their businesses and jobs, right? So how are they to provide for their family? How, how are they going to provide for their children? And so this reminded me of this verse from, from Jesus' sermon on the, on the mount, um, the, the lilies of the field and the grass, right? And so Jesus shares that if God takes care of the lilies and grass of the field, how much more Will he care for us, right, who are made in his image? And so, uh, and, and this is really the, the part that hit home for me when Jesus summarizes by saying, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, right, and all these things he's talking about, you know, what we, what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, all these things will be given to you as well. And this is from Matthew 6, verse 33, if you want to look back at it. Uh, and so these... These early Christians, right, they had, to, they had to live to learn exactly like Jesus commanded in that sermon. They had to learn, they had to learn how to live this, this radical life of faith, right, on mission for Christ, trusting that God would provide everything they needed. But, you know, what, what about those who stayed back in Jerusalem? What happened to them? So v- verse 3 covers this next. So we see Christians experiencing loss of lifestyle. So uh, let's, look at, uh, uh, let's look at verse 3 now. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and he would, drag away, he would drag away men and women and put them in prison. So, so those who stayed, they, they faced imprisonment and, and, and likely even death, right? And it wasn't just the men, it, you know, as was customary, it was the women as well, right? So so calling this, like, a loss of lifestyle, I realize, like, that's a gross understatement, right? Their, their home, right? Their home city was no longer safe and comfortable. Uh, it wasn't safe. 
They lived in constant fear. And um, one of the things I want to point out here is the word ravage that's in the original Greek. That's the same word that's used to describe what a lion does to, to his prey. So, so, so Saul was literally like, he, he was tearing apart the church. He was, he was destroying it, right? So this was, a, this was a persecution that they had never seen before, right? The apostles had been arrested. They'd been beaten. Uh, but now, right, they were threatened with violence and even death. Um, so, you know, at this point... Right? We, we have the ability you know, to look, look back and see the full story, but you can imagine these early believers were, were wondering right, you know, if, if this isn't just the end of, the, of our lives, right, but the end of the church. Right? Their, their beloved Stephen was dead. They lost their homes. They lost you know, really everything that they needed to provide for their family. They lost any semblance of comfort. So they had to surrender all of their desires and expectations, right? Everything that they thought, you know, how this would go, um, how their lives would look like, they had to let that go and trust that God would provide the way. So church, have y'all ever had to just sort of lay down your desires and expectations in a way that made you super uncomfortable? A few of you. Okay, good. It's, it's in these situations, right? It's in these situations that, uh, that, that we find that like, God, God provides in a way that we could have never imagined. Um, so I, I want to share a story with you because it's, it's stuck with me um, you know, through my whole walk. Um, so I, I went on a short-term mission trip to Frankfurt, Germany uh, about uh, a little over five years ago. Um, and, and this was during the peak of the refugee crisis. Uh, and, and so... This was when, in Europe, right, there are hundreds of thousands, right, of, of refugees that were fleeing war and terrorism in countries like Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. And, and so when, when we, um, you know, the, our, our short-term missionary, uh, missionary team, when we arrived, there, there, was, there was, like, close to one million first-time asylum seekers in Germany. Uh, it was also during the time of, of Ramadan, so there was definitely some tension. So... There I was, you know, first time, first mission trip as a believer, clinging to hope that, you know, this would be um, a simple and easy outreach assignment, uh, you know, and safe. Um, and so this is what I imagine, you know, someone holding our hand, um, you know, introducing, uh, introducing us to their non-threatening refugee friends, and then, you know, we take advantage of this ready-made opportunity to just read the Bible with them. So, y'all imagine uh, my shock when, um, you know, we were sent out, you know, we were loaded up with some translated Bibles, and then we were just given a vague location, a train stop, and a contact phone number, and that was it. Um, and and y'all, uh, it's worth pointing out that these refugee camps were not mapped, right? It wasn't like, hey, you know, this refugee camp A is over here and B is over here. It was unmapped for their safety. So no one knew where these camps were, right? Uh, so honestly, it couldn't have started out any worse. So we, uh, we, we missed our first connection, had to go back, buy an extension ticket. Then we were removed from the train by the controller. Um, and the way this works in Germany, if you're removed from the train, especially if you're a tourist, 
they have to hand you over to the police if you're not able to produce identification, or you can pay the fine. So we end up paying a $400 fine. And then to add insult to injury, our, our refugee camp contact, they weren't returning our phone calls. Um, so there we were, right, on this train platform, like in the middle of like who knows where, on the outskirts of Frankfurt. And we had literally no idea, you know, where, where, where we were uh, or where we were going. And so, uh, needless to say, like, you know, our team felt compelled to pray. Uh, and so we did. And it sounds crazy, but despite all of these setbacks, we truly felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to continue moving forward, not backward. And so we prayed for God to show us the way. Uh, and so when we arrived at the next train stop, it was nearly empty. So it looked uh, not very auspicious. There was still no word from our contact at the refugee camp. Uh, in fact, later, we learned that we even had, like, the wrong train stop. Um, and, and so, like, we weren't even in the right place. But by God's providence, uh, one of the three people on that platform was Fawad, a refugee from Afghanistan. And so not only did he speak perfect English, uh, but he was actually staying at a refugee camp nearby, and he invited us to go meet the families there. Um, and y- y'all, I, I, yeah, what happened next, like I would have never expected, you know, they, they, they welcomed us like family. Like here it was during Ramadan, right? And, and so they've not eaten for the whole day, and now these strangers show up at their camp. But they welcomed us to break fast with them and share a meal, uh, which was incredible. And so, uh, so our group, um, our small team of four, spent the whole week ministering to them and their families and to the single guys there. Um, so y'all, th- this is God's provision at work, right? This is what Jesus was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, right? If you are called to kingdom purposes, God will provide. And, and I know, right, for, for many of us, right, the circumstances of today, it, it might seem like, we're sitting on that train platform uh, in the middle of nowhere, you know, not knowing where we are or where we're going. Maybe you think this about our country. And so while we aren't under intense persecution like these early Christians, you know, we're experiencing a lot of serious disruption in our lives, right? We've, we've lost loved ones that we're still grieving. We're under intensifying pressure, not just from individuals, Right, but from corporations and governments to just hide who we are as Christians, right? Our Christian worldview, if we want to retain our livelihoods. And of course, um, you know, we're, we're still we're still trying to figure out <clears throat> how to adapt our lifestyles in the face of a pandemic. But church, you know, I, I want you to hear this. You know, Jesus never promised us that you know following him would be easy. Right? But, but he doesn't make us go it alone. Jesus is with us. He gives us peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives other believers, right, this church family here to encourage us. He, he gives us hope in the promise of eternal life. Th- this is the provision. I didn't think this was a sermon that I would get emotional in, but... This is the provision of rock, refuge, and fortress. So we, we, we have to build our lives on this, not, not on the sand of what is fast, easy, and comfortable. 
So to recap, y'all, as these Christians suffered through loss of life, livelihood, and lifestyle, they had to learn to trust in God's provision, right? So, so we, right, as Christians, we have to learn to do the same as we live our lives on mission for Christ. So in our final verse for today, uh, we'll also see that living on mission for Christ requires trusting in his plan, right? So uh, first, we must trust in his plan to spread the gospel, so let's look at verse 4 together, our last verse. Therefore, those who had been scattered went through places preaching the word. So notice that the disciples went through places, right? They didn't, they didn't just stop and were like, this is a sweet village, like, let's just hang out here. They, 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 they were constantly on the move. They were preaching the gospel in every village, right, that they came across. Why? Why did, why did they do this? this? This was God's plan. Right? They, they, if, we, if we go back right, to the beginning of Acts and we read Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven, um, here's what we see. So let's look at chapter, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jer- Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest part of the earth. So where were these believers scattered, right? Judea and Samaria and eventually to the ends of the earth, as we know now, right? God had a plan for these believers. And y'all, I, I like to believe that, I like to believe like there is, there is a moment, right, in, in their life on the run that they had like this big aha where they realized the beautiful paradox, right, of what was happening through Saul's persecution, right? What, what Saul had intended to destroy the church God was actually using to grow it, right? And, 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 and we know, right, Saul, this, this ravager, right, of the early church, who did, he become? who did he become, right? He became Paul, this tireless missionary for the spreading of the gospel to the rest of the world. And, and you know, I think if we step back sometimes, we forget this, but it's why we are here, right, in a church 7,000 miles away from Jerusalem, right, together, worshiping Jesus. So, like these early Christians, you know, we can trust in God's plan for the growth of the body of the Christ. We can trust in that, even when the how, right, it, it may not make sense to us right now. It may not make sense to us in the moment. Uh, we also have to trust in his plan for spiritual growth, right? In this context of sharing the gospel, So let's look at verse 4 again, how this happens here for the early church. So verse 4 says this, Therefore, those who had been scattered went through places preaching the word. So who were those who had been scattered? Right. Remember, uh, in the first verse, we read that the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, right? Except the apostles. So it was the non-apostles. It was the ordinary church members, right? All of us, right? who God used to preach the word in these places. And so, you know, you can imagine, right, some of them were probably a little uncomfortable, maybe not sure if they were up to the task. But by the power of the Spirit, they were spreading the gospel. And so if we look just a bit ahead uh, to Acts eleven nineteen, we can see this. 
Um, so you don't have to turn there if, if uh, it'll come up on the screen. So Acts 11.19 says this. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. So yeah, they were preaching only, only to the Jews, but the point is they were sharing the gospel, right? Even in their scattered state, God was growing them in their faith. Um, and he empowered them to share the good news of Jesus. So, y'all, in, in the same way, we can trust that, that God will provide us the spiritual growth uh, to live out on mission for Christ. Um, and, and Lord, uh, or I, I, say, I say church, the Lord gives us just so much here uh, in the Bible to encourage us. Uh, we know, right, when we believe in Jesus, we become something greater than ourselves. You know, we're fragile, right? But let's look at how Paul describes this in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 10. But we have this treasure in earthen containers so that the extraordinary greatness of the power of God, or sorry, of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed always carrying around in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So, th- so this treasure, right, that we have in us, th- this, is, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? God has given each of us this priceless treasure in fragile and vulnerable clay jars. <clears throat> and y'all, I know, you know, we, we, we may have, we have cracks, right, because of the suffering, uh, that we've experienced in our lives. We may have, you know, we have fissures because of the afflictions that we're experiencing now. But by God's power, we will not shatter, right? We're, we are called by Jesus to share this treasure with others. And so, so here's the rub, right? As we, as we seek, uh, sometimes with all of our might, right, what is fast, easy, and comfortable in our lives we can find ourselves just being content to keep this treasure to ourselves, right? We, we might find ourselves making excuses as to why it shouldn't be us that does the sharing. We might say things like, well, I need more equipping, right? Or, or I really don't like confrontation, or I don't know what to say, or, you know, I'm still too broken. But church, you know, you know, if, if I'm being honest, like, I actually struggle with many of these falsehoods, too. So, so please hear this. Just like the early Christians from our passage, you, you don't have to be an apostle, right? You, you don't have to be a gifted public speaker. You don't have to be perfect. God will work in, in, in spite of our fragile state, right? Those, those, those cracks those fissures in your life might look very familiar to someone that doesn't have the hope of Christ. So trust, trust that God will use you far more than you could ever imagine. Trust that God will use your story for his glory. I, I, I implore you, please tell your story of faith to someone today. So church, in closing... As Christians, we have been called to be, we've been called, right, 
by our Lord and Savior to trust in God's provision and plan, even when things aren't fast, easy, and comfortable, even in our grief and suffering, even when we don't understand the why, we can find refuge, right, in knowing that God has provided, right? He's provided the solid rock on which to stand. And, and we can find our rest in, in Psalm 62. I, I, I love this. Uh, it's one of my favorite verses. I know it's one of my wife's, one of my wife, uh, her, Debbie's favorite verse. Uh, so let's look at this now. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. So the first Christians, right, they live with this beautiful hope and purpose in Christ. We can too. So next week, uh, John Surovic, um, uh, who... Uh, I, I pray uh, for, for him and his family, you know, that they, they feel better. In fact, I'll pray for that in a second. Um, he's going to cover how God worked through Philip to spread the gospel in Samaria. And, and, uh, and you know, we, all, we know how that story continues from there, and it's going to be awesome.